Garrett, what are you doing? Okay. Mason Rudolph started it. Everybody knows this. Everybody saw it. Mason Rudolph started the scrum. If you caught Thursday Night Football and you stayed with it, which was tough for New Yorkers. I mean, you had the Knicks with KP in the house, which we'll get to later. You had the Nets starting at 10 out west. You had the Rangers getting pummeled. I don't even know what the final score was. 8-1 in Tampa? I don't know. But if you stayed with Thursday Night Football, you saw Miles Garrett rip off Mason Rudolph's helmet, swing it at him, and not only swing it at him, but connect. Now, Rudolph, who's dealing with you know some head issues, is lucky. The bottom of the helmet, the ear hole part, hit his head. Don't fall for the missing half his skull picture circulating, which is a gem, by the way. But, Miles Garrett, what the hell are you thinking? He issued an apology recently, um, called it completely inexcusable. Here it is, quote, Last night, I made a terrible mistake. I lost my cool, and what I did was selfish and unacceptable. I know that we are all responsible for our actions, and I can only prove my true character through my actions moving forward. I want to apologize to Mason Rudolph, my teammates, our entire organization, our fans, and to the NFL. I know I have to be accountable for what happened, learn from my mistake, and I fully intend to do so. So the Browns, who pick up a huge win... Instead of celebrating, instead of feeling good, have to answer questions about Miles Garrett after the game. And credit Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. I am not a big fan of either guy, Beckham or Mayfield. I think both are extremely overrated and extremely damage, uh, hurtful and do a lot of damage to the team culture. But they handled it perfectly after the game. Now for those trying to rationalize Garrett's behavior... Are you insane? This is not black and white. This is not a black and white world. Two things could be true at the same time. Mason Rudolph started the fight out of frustration. He did not intentionally kick Garrett in the, in the, what do you want to call it? Under region where the sun don't shine. It wasn't intentional, and there's no way anyone can prove it was intentional. Yeah, Rudolph started it. But that doesn't give anybody the right to swing a helmet at someone's head. So anyone defending Garrett is completely lost. Completely lost. You're either looking for attention, or you're, you're a fool. 
Or you want to choose one guy or the other because of a skin color? Sean King. Come on. Mason Rudolph started it. Miles Garrett was the man who took it to a level that should never be reached. Case closed. I mean, you see all this faux outrage today. James Harrison from the Steelers. Are you kidding me? James Harrison? Come on. Perhaps the best take, though, came from the juice himself. O.J. Simpson. Hide the women and children. Look, all I know is this. The minute Mason went after the man's helmet with his foot and his groin, it's on. I'm hearing all these announcers saying uh, that Garrett should be suspended. Maybe he should. But when a guy's trying to get your helmet off your head, and that's where it started, white with his foot in your groin, it's on. I'm just saying. Take care. It's on, the Jew says. I mean, this guy either has no self-awareness or he's a comedian at this point because he's got to know the reaction to this. Run, run for your lives. The juice is on the loose. I mean, come on. OJ. It could be on. Fine. Rip the other guy's helmet off. Smack him in the face. Let it be on. But don't swing a helmet at a dude who's had concussion issues this year. Let it be on in a civilized manner. But Simpson? One might argue he doesn't handle situations in a civilized manner. So, Miles Garrett did what he did. The Knicks, who had me preoccupied last night, they're three and nine now. Or is it three and seven? Three and nine, I believe. But I wish they could play Chris Porzingis every day. They've swept the season series with Dallas. We haven't even hit mid-November yet. Well, technically it is mid-November today. And two of the three wins are against Dallas. Mark Cuban's shark tanking team. Give credit to MSG. Give credit to the fans who are at the Garden. Is there, is there a better place to be than the Garden when you're talking atmosphere, Knicks or Rangers? There isn't. Listen, MetLife Stadium, I'm there all the time. Um, what can you say? These new stadiums, these outdoor stadiums, football, baseball... It's different than it used to be. If you watch a Don Mattingly home run in 1995, October, old Yankee Stadium, you felt like the stadium was going to crumble beneath your feet. just doesn't happen today in New Yankee Stadium. City Field is the best of them all. If the Mets are good, City Field has that juice still. Not as great as Shea Stadium, but still has that juice. MSG, the arenas, because it's indoors, because it's more intimate, hasn't lost 
that fire. And Knicks fans are starving for anything to happen. That KP, a KP homecoming, KP returning, brought the best in the city out last night. From the introductions till after the final buzzer with Spike Lee in attendance, the chance of KP sucked, rained down. In terms of play on the court, Knicks were good. Um, KP only scored 20. He did not have a field goal in the first quarter. He uh, had, a, had a couple free throws. He had, His first points were on a technical. Uh, good job by Carlisle, putting him up there instead of Doncic to let it go. Uh, to get him rolling, to try to get him rolling. He finished with 20. Didn't shoot too well. Um, Picked up his fair share of rebounds. But what really sparked the Knicks last night was the depth. Dennis Smith Jr. and Mitchell Robinson coming off the bench. Mitchell Robinson is the Knicks' most valuable player. That may sound crazy. It's true. He's not their best player. R.J. Baird is their best player. Marcus Morris is their second best player. But Mitchell Robinson does things for this team that no one could duplicate. If he's not in there, they don't have that rim protection. There's just no one that could duplicate what he does. So his injuries so far this year have been a huge detriment to the team. And David Fisdale knows it. Offensively, yeah, he's not going to knock down a 15-footer. We know this. But again, his his space, his arms, his length creates so many more opportunities when guards are driving. He's the team's most valuable player. Dennis Smith Jr., remember, KP wasn't the only guy facing his, own, his old team. Dennis Smith Jr. as well. The man, where did that come from? I don't know. Because the man came off the bench and was tremendous. It was just downright tremendous. Um, You could see the talent. No one's ever knocked DSJ for not having the talent. It's, It's what's between the ears. And coming back off of that bereavement thing, what was it, 12 days? 30 minutes, 13 points, 5 of 12 from the floor. Two of four from deep. Six total rebounds, eight assists. Tremendous. And if I'm Fisdale, I'm not starting him. Because Frank Nilkina needs to keep starting. Dennis Smith Jr. is the perfect combo guard off the bench. Frank, what he did defensively last night, he was only one of four from the floor. Only played 18 minutes. Five points. Two assists. Frank is not a true point guard in the NBA. But what he is is an all-NBA defensive talent. This man is tremendous defensively. And on that one sequence, when he knocked the ball away from Doncic, and the Garden crowd went nuts, it reminded me of that lunch pail, John Starks, wear your heart on the sleeve type of attitude that could only be fully appreciated at the Garden. So, 
I would continue with Nilakina starting at the point, even though he's not a true point guard. Barrett's going to have to carry the load. And then Dennis Smith Jr. They need Alfred Payton back, big time. Because Dennis Smith Jr., he's got to play the two. Has to. And the man who really capped it off was Marcus Morris in that three-pointer. With a little over 10 seconds, what was it, 13 and change? 13 seconds and change? Marcus Morris delivered. Difference of 10 seconds, Dean Hawkins shot clock. Looks like Morris wants to go one on one versus Kleba. Morris, three. There's just nothing better than the garden. I mean, especially for a fan base that's hungry and starving. There's just nothing better than that energy. So, Knicks stay at home Saturday and Sunday. Danny Small will be out there again. Uh, we'll see what happens. They could get two more this weekend. Things will be looking up. Five wins, five and nine looks a lot different than anything else. Four and ten, three and eleven, what have you. The Jets, for all my Jets people out there. Big story today, Friday, Quincy Nunwa. Quincy, the man who played 40 games of a possible 80 coming into this season. And listen, Quincy is a good dude. He is. That doesn't mean he can't be wrong and not productive for a football culture, for a football program. Remember that. Whenever I argued with people about Odell Beckham Jr. three years ago, you know, he's overrated. He's got to do these things before we crown him. And the world crowned him way too early. I said, you got to separate who he is from what's productive. OBJ has a good heart. He does. He always has. He's a good kid. Teammates will say he's a good teammate. That doesn't mean he's productive for football culture. That doesn't mean he's a good leader. It doesn't mean you want the guy in your team. Quincy Nunwa, obviously, I'm not trying to compare Nunwa and OBJ. That's silly. But... What Anunwa just put out on Twitter, everybody obviously is going to hop on Gase right away. Oh, he did the same thing in Miami. He's a terrible head coach. Whatever. What Anunwa just did is absurd. Here we go. I normally chill on putting issues on Twitter, but this doesn't sit right with me. Given everything that's going on around the team, I thought this could have been handled so many different in so many different ways. I've spent my time with the team trying to build myself up to be the dependable and hardworking, so this shit hurts. And then he has a picture of player fines. I guess it's in the locker room. It has to be in the locker room. It's, I just see the wall here, so I can't really recognize the wall. Player fines with Quincy Nunwa, 27900 November 8th, November 11th, mistreatment. Listen, 
If you played on a football team, this is not abnormal. You could argue the merit for and against this strategy by way of Gase. You can argue it's not a good thing to do, to put player fines on the wall for everyone to see. You can argue that it is. That's a healthy argument. But what's not an argument is that this is abnormal. This is not abnormal. This happens all the time. Player fines aren't supposed to be kept secret between the individual and ownership. If they're kept secret, where is the accountability? It needs to be out in the open. And if it's not, your culture is not going to build. So how Quincy can't recognize that, I, I don't understand. I can, and I can't grasp. He goes on in a third tweet. I missed those two days because I took my veteran wife out, veteran capitalized, took my veteran wife out for Veterans Day lunch and because I had to handle an emergency in my house. Okay. I let the team know this after the fact. And yes, I should have told them beforehand, but I feel like this was excessive. What the hell are we talking about? Quincy. That's an, ex- that's an inexcused absence. You're injured. You are still an employee making millions of dollars. Your job right now is to get through rehab, not miss days, and try to get healthy. If you would have excused your absence, there would be no issue. What do you want the just to do? Not fine you? Are you calling it being on the wall on a TV for everyone to see excessive? Or are you talking about the fine being being excessive? He goes on. I'm on IR trying to get back to play, so I never thought they'd be worried about me missing. But obviously I was wrong. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, is this what happened before Gase? Under Bulls? Guys missing anytime they wanted? You gotta wonder. The biggest reason it hurts is that I'm on IR for the second time in my career and the doctor told me I have a 50-50 chance of coming back to play. I shouldn't even have to be in that building being reminded every day of what I can't do. Oh, Lord. This shit feels like punishment already and then they fine me to the max and they and then want me to continue to do my rehab there and if I get healthy, they want me to then play for them after. I'm not writing this for sympathy and never wanted to even say anything, but when multiple teammates are coming to me saying it's effed up, I don't care to sit on it anymore. I mean, I don't understand. See, this is the problem with the Jets. Other than the hierarchy, which I think they've sorted through, Douglas is the boss. You need one true boss. Not the GM and head coach, both reporting to the ownership, which they still do. But Douglas is the boss of personnel. This is the problem with the Jets. McCagnan and the previous GM never worried about personality and culture. How many guys have been suspended on this team over the last five years? How many guys with questionable off-the-field issues have they had? It's a lot. And you know what? I'm going to dig into those numbers because compared to other teams, listen, every every one of the 32 franchises has issues with guys off the field. There's no question. But some have more than others. 
And I'll bet you the Jets have had more than most others. Dylan Donahue, Robbie Anderson, the list goes on and on. It goes on and on. And everyone always praised Anunua as being a good guy. What is this? Is this what passes as a good guy in the Jets building? I mean, what's the problem? Two inexcused absences. Two days. Inexcused. You get fined, and you're complaining about it? I'm already down on my luck, so I don't want to be reminded of it, and they remind me of it doubly? I, what can you say? I, I don't get it. Now, everyone's going to turn out, uh, try to make Gates to be the monster here, but he's not the monster here. This, there's nothing abnormal about posting fines in the locker room. Nothing at all. Get on Gase for the poor job he's done coaching. He did the same this same tactic he used in Miami. So everyone's going to point to Miami and say, oh, it worked well, well in Miami. So why would he do it in New York? He was two games under 500 in Miami. He made the playoffs in Miami. No, they weren't champions. They're not a dynasty. He didn't build a tremendous culture there. There are reports of guys having issues with them. But this is not a crazy thing to do. It's not. And to try to make Gase out to be a monster here is just rationalizing poor behavior on the part of Anunwa. You know, say what you want. The fines are not public. They're in the locker room. Anunwa took it to the extreme to the public outlet on Twitter. I don't know. He's never there. He's always hurt. Listen, some guys are like that. And it's unfortunate and it sucks. You got to feel for him. But this is ridiculous. And this is the point that needs to be hammered home. The Jets need to find the right guys to start this program. And if you're a Jets fan out there listening, you got to hope Douglas knows this. Or else you'll just keep getting the same garbage year after year. And it especially has to happen in New York. Why? Because the media is another opponent for the Jets. The media for the Giants and the Jets are another opponent. 365 days a year. So when thinking about players, you can't think just talent. It has to be culture. It has to be character. And we'll see if Joe Douglas has it. Until next time.